Welcome to Healing the City Podcast. My name is Eric Siepen. The following podcast is a rebroadcasting of the relationship series from the Village Community Ministries. This relationship series is taken from Dr. Larry Crabb's book, The Marriage Builder. We hope that you enjoy the following podcast. A couple weeks ago then, what I said was, if you kind of want a diagnostic for your marriage, you could kind of look at uh, Matthew chapter 22. When Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And I said, one way of thinking about your relationships and your marriage and your friendships are, are they centered on loving God? And are they centered on loving others? If that's where it's centered, then you have a good relationship. And that's kind of the way you have to kind of orient yourself towards each other. But the problem with that is, is talk all about being a minister and expressing how you care for somebody and saying, here's where God feels about you, is that what it sounds like a lot of times is that you have to shove your feelings down. Like that there's this problem that when you get into relationship, when you come here into the community and you find out that, hey, you're not appreciated and loved like you thought you were, well, that's disappointing. And you have feelings, right? We all have feelings. In fact, you don't have a problem with your good feelings. Like I went and played some board games today with some, or this week with some friends, and I had good feelings, even though I lost. Right? I didn't win any games. But I had good feelings, and I didn't have any existential angst about it. I didn't ask, like, what am I supposed to do with these good feelings? I don't know. This is difficult. No. The thing that most of us have a problem with is that we're frustrated and angry and feel aggressive. Like, that's the the problem, is we get into these relationships at church where people have disappointed us and hurt us and haven't come through the way we want, and we're hurt and angry. And we kind of feel aggressive about people. Like, we want to tell them. Right? Or we're in our relationships with, in, in our marriage and, and our, we're not communicating. And we're just like, ah, no, you've got to hear me. Right? Anger. What am I supposed to do with my anger? What am I supposed to do with my feelings? Right? What am I supposed to do with these feelings? If I'm supposed to be this loving, caring instrument of God in other people's lives. Right? That sounds like I don't have any, I can't do anything with my feelings. And if I'm not allowed to manipulate anybody, if you're telling me I can't manipulate, what am I supposed to do with my feelings? Well, let me tell you that the first thing is you don't shove your feelings down. Like, you don't swallow them. Feelings are okay. It's actually okay to be angry. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to actually feel things. There's a, in the Old Testament, there's an old prophet named Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel chapter 24, starting in verse 15, God tells Ezekiel a horrible thing. He says, I'm going to take your wife, the wife that you love, and I don't want you to do any of the traditional mourning. All I want you to do is groan inwardly. Now there's a reason that he's asking him to do this and a reason that he's saying, here's how you react. But what he doesn't say, and I think it's really key, so he doesn't say, shove your feelings down. Don't feel anything. What he says is that you need to groan inwardly. Now, all I, I'm telling you that story just so that you know that God is saying it's okay to feel. Over and over again, there are stories about feeling, 
about humans feeling. Even Jesus weeps. And in that passage where it says Jesus wept, it's actually the word in the Greek is to tremble with so much sorrow. Like he was just trembling. There's a feeling. It's okay to feel, right? A lot of times when we think, oh, it's not all right for me to be angry. It's okay for you to have that emotion well up in you and for you to be angry. But here's what happens most of the time with our anger. James, in James chapter 4, says this. He says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your desire, you desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, you cannot, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So, what James is saying is the reason that you're in these fights and in these quarrels is that internally there's something wrong with your desires. There's a battle with your desires. Your anger has gotten out of control, right? So what I want to offer you tonight is a way, two things. One is a way to deal with your anger and your feelings, that, your, your feelings of anger and frustration and aggressiveness, right? That, that sense of thing. And how then you might, in your relationship at your church, in your family and in your friendships, actually talk about your feelings in ways that are actually helpful and advance things. So let's first talk about anger in the context of of James. But I, I need to just offer you two things. There are two popular passages that you'll often hear and people say that you're not supposed to let the sun go down on your anger and that you should um, not sin in your anger, okay? So the one that says you shouldn't let the, sin go down, or the sun go down on your anger, that one is about bitterness. You are not to nurture bitterness. The other one, you shouldn't, when you're angry, you shouldn't sin, is about justice. And what it means is, when Russ over here is beating up Jeff, Right? And I get angry. I'm like, Russ, what are you doing? And then I go and I beat Russ up. That's sinning in my anger. Right? You are not to do the thing that you are angry about. <laughs> so that's what, what he's talking about. But here, the emotion is saying that inside we have these desires and what we want, and we're frustrated by these desires, so we're getting angry and fighting. And this happens a lot in our relationships. So I want to talk about this idea that if you've been at the village for a while, you've heard us talk about this. If you haven't, this is going to be new. But when we think about anger, we're going to talk about this thing called goals versus desires. Okay? And so I'm going to tell you that when you get angry, when you feel that anger, a lot of times it means that you've taken what you desire and made it into a goal. So I'm going to explain this to you. A desire is something that requires more than you, okay? A goal is something that you can accomplish. So let me give you an example. Now, I know there's a lot of marathon runners here, so I'm using an example of marathon runners. This has nothing to do with you, okay? This is not about your relationship. I'm just, it's an easy example, okay? So, if I decide that I want to run a marathon, 
right? So I'm going to train for this marathon. So my goal then, I'm going to make this goal that I'm going to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, every morning, and I'm going to run 10 miles. Now, that's, an, that's a good goal because I'm in control of it. Now, you may argue, yeah, well, if the electricity goes out and your alarm doesn't go off and your knee, bur-, you know. Okay, yes, I understand that we could get nitpicky. But it's a good goal. You can set your alarm. You can choose to get up. You can choose to go run 10 miles, right? You can do this on your own. That's a good goal. Now, a bad goal or a, ba- or a desire that you make into a goal would be, okay, I want to get up at 4 o'clock and run 10 miles and I want my wife to get up at 4 o'clock with me and run 10 miles too, okay? Now, if I make it a goal, then I'm going to say, hey, honey, I want you to run 10 miles with me at 4 o'clock in the morning, and she's going to say no. And so I'm going to say, well, she might say yes, and then your goal works out fine for a while. But So I'm going to manipulate her. I'm going to keep saying, well, come on, if you do this, then I'll do it. You know, if you never do anything that I want, she's like, fine, I'll go run with you if you want. So then the alarm goes off and you say, hey, honey, we're going running. And she's like, not today. I'll do it tomorrow. So all of a sudden you're out there at four in the morning going, my wife never does anything with me. She's always like, and you're running angry, right? Which then means you get an injury and it's all bad for you. But do do you see, it's a very simple example but do but you understand what happens here? Is that we do this all the time. We take things that require more than us to cooperate and we make them a goal. And that's why we're angry. A lot of times in our relationships is what we've said is, honey, you're going to do this for me. If you don't do this, then I'm going to feel this way. Now, here's the reason this all happened. Think about this. This is what I love about this. It just gets me all excited. If I go to my wife and say, "Hun, it's really important for me that you come run with me. Okay, now I make myself vulnerable, and she can reject me. And she can say, no, I really don't want to run with you. Now, if it's just a desire, it's a good desire, it's not a goal, then I'm going to be disappointed. But if I've made it a goal, I'm going to be angry. Now here's the cool thing about disappointment and anger. Is that anger is about power. If you think about the cross, the people in power were the people who crucified Jesus. The rulers, the Romans. So when you and I get angry, the person that we're siding with is a place of power. We've made a goal that someone else will cooperate with us and they won't, and so we're angry. When we're disappointed, when we actually offer our desires and, have, and risk being rejected, we place ourselves with Jesus in a place of suffering. We're disappointed. And actually in this world, disappointment equals often loneliness, right? What it accents is that you and I don't feel fully loved. And you and I feel like we don't have impact. And so there we are feeling vulnerable. This is the reason why we like to take our desires and make them goals, because none of us want to feel vulnerable. I had this crazy dream. 
I went to Bookman's and I had a lot of electronic equipment. I don't know where I got it. I think I must have stolen it from the village. But I was trying to trade it in. It was like $1,500 worth of equipment at Bookman's. And they wanted to give me $25. And I was livid. And not only that, after I'd argued with them, like they came back and said, oh, and you're going to have to pay this recycling fee. And I was like, you're going to give me $25 and then I have to pay a recycling fee? I don't understand this. And I woke up so angry. And it, and it highlighted something about me. You see, one of the goals that I have in life is that no one will take advantage of me. So even in my dreams, I get angry when that doesn't work out. <laughs> I'm like, no, you can't take advantage of me. It's a good desire. All of us should desire not to be taken advantage of. You're not in control of that at all. So as we get angry, or when we feel that emotion of anger, we have to ask ourselves, okay, what's actually my goal here? What are the things that I'm actually longing for? Now, here's just kind of a little way you can deal with your anger as you think about it. So when you feel the emotion of anger, the first thing you need to do is just say, okay, I'm going to be slow to anger. I'm not going to like fuel this emotion. Number two, I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm angry. You don't have to go tell anybody you're angry, but you need to acknowledge it to God. And I said this a few weeks ago. If you need to go take a walk so you can talk out loud, go talk out loud to God in a walk. If you need to get in your closet and tell God you're angry, you have to acknowledge that you have emotion, right? It's okay to acknowledge that you're angry and that things aren't the way you really long for them to be. Things are not working out, right? But then you have to say, okay, I need to readjust. What is a good goal, right? What's, what's a good goal? Not, you know, where, where have I kind of mixed things up here? And then, once you kind of clarified that and repented in the places you need to repent, you can decide, okay, do I need to take these feelings and tell someone or do I need to hold on to them? Now, normally the way we deal with expressing our feelings of anger is that we just either stick them down somewhere inside our stomach and get an ulcer, or we decide that we should just dump them out on somebody and they should deal with them. But really, once you kind of understand where the anger is coming from, you begin to just ask, okay, how might I express these emotions to someone, to the person I'm angry with or the situation that I'm angry in in order to actually move people towards Jesus? How do I do that? So that's, that's and you know, now we could spend a lot of time talking about goals versus desires, but I have a limited amount of time and we want to hear from Mark and Lane. So I'm going to just leave that there. Now, as you and I have emotions, we have emotions of hurt and loneliness and anger and frustration as we're dealing with these the best way to kind of move all of us towards god is that we have to learn to talk about our feelings but the problem that i find when i talk to anybody when they talk about our church when we talk about our relationships with one another we talk about marriage is that when we start talking about these unique things that are called feelings that pretty much define who we are even though they don't but they really do but they don't right we all and it's like a minefield None of us know how to talk to each other, right? We don't know how to communicate. We stick our foot in our mouth all the time. 
And so what we need to do is learn as a community to accept where people are in their expression of their emotions, right? In Romans chapter 15, verse 7, Paul says this, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And then if you read the rest of that passage in Romans, it tells you the effect of accepting, right? Of what happens to the community of God when we accept one another, right? Instead of rejecting one another.